As we continue in our worship, I invite you to remain standing as we hear the gospel reading for us this morning. That comes to us from Luke chapter 24, verse 44 to 53. Hear these words from the New Living Translation. Then he said, When I was with you before, I told you that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and in the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. And he said, yes, it was written long ago that the Messiah would suffer and die and rise from the dead on the third day. It was also written that this message would be proclaimed in the authority of his name to all the nations. Beginning in Jerusalem, there is forgiveness of sins for all who repent. You are witnesses of all these things. And now I will send the Holy Spirit just as my Father promised. But stay here in the city until the Holy Spirit comes and fills you with power from heaven. Then Jesus led them to Bethany. In lifting his hands to heaven, he blessed them. While he was blessing them, he left them and was taken up to heaven. So they worshiped him and then returned to Jerusalem filled with great joy. And they spent all their time in the temple praising God. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Will you pray with me? Holy and gracious God, Father, Lord, we give you thanks for this day. We give you thanks for this time, for this moment, for your presence amongst us. And Lord, as we enter into this time of deep discipleship, we ask for you to open our hearts and our minds and our ears so that we may be attentive to you and your presence amongst us. Turn out the distraction of our day and our lives so that we may focus entirely upon your word speaking to us. And Lord, may I become less so that you may be more. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. We've come to this holy day that we call Ascension Sunday. The Ascension was Thursday, 40 days after Easter. A day in which we celebrate what has taken place over these 40 days with Jesus and his disciples. For after the Easter resurrection, after the first disciples saw Jesus, after Mary Magdalene saw Jesus in the, outside the grave in the garden, after the disciples gathered, they spent time with Jesus. They spent time celebrating and worshiping. They spent time together in the upper room where Thomas was reminded of God's glory. And he had that opportunity to express the deepest affirmation of faith that we see in Scripture. After he was able to touch the sides of Christ and see him for himself, Thomas expressed my Lord and my God. We see Jesus spent time with Peter, who had denied him three times on the night of his betrayal and the crucifixion. Yet Jesus spends time with him at the Sea of Galilee, giving him an opportunity 
to express his deepest soul, his deepest love, his deepest desire for Christ. Forty days spent teaching, 40 days spent celebrating, 40 days spent with the disciples, worshiping, giving glory, giving honor, praising the mighty things that God has done in Christ in resurrecting him and launching a new creation and a new world in their midst. 40 days of experiencing something new. Yet on that 40th day, Jesus brings his disciples together. They've gathered again together to worship, to pray, to celebrate, and even for some more teaching. This time, though, he sends them back to a place of familiarity to the top of the Mount Olives. The same mountaintop that Jesus had gathered his disciples as they entered into the holy city on that Palm Sunday, as we call it, or as Jesus entered into Jerusalem at the beginning of the Passover. That same Passover that would mark his death and resurrection. They're back at that same spot that same holy mountaintop where it was always believed that the Messiah would come from. And there they find themselves. The same place that Jesus had been exalted and praised as the King of David with the chant of Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. There they find themselves again. And perhaps the disciples are thinking that now they are going to go back into Jerusalem and now they will take over. Now the fun will really begin. But Jesus brings them here for a purpose. For a time of prayer. For a time of blessing and for a time of leaving. For on that spot, at the same place where he began that journey into Jerusalem, Jesus has gathered them to ascend to the place of honor, to leave this earthly place and go to that place where he was, that was always prepared for him, right there at the right hand of the Father, exalted as the Lord of all, celebrated as the King, present with everyone because he's no longer here in physicality, but now with everyone through the Spirit, available to all and present with everyone. Jesus goes to this spot to ascend to his rightful place so that we could all experience him. Not based on going to a certain place, but being in his presence, being in his love and being in his glory. But before he leaves, 
He spends one last moment with his disciples, giving them kind of a final word of blessing and instruction. Remember, as I said a little bit ago, the disciples have gathered up there thinking that they were going to be launched into the new mission. What they thought that new mission was going to be was the restoration of the kingdom. Acts tell us the continuation of Luke's work in telling the story of the church. Acts 1 tells us that the disciples, when they gathered up the top of Mount Olives and at Bethany, they thought that Jesus was going to send them in to take over to serve as kind of the, the 12 leaders of Jesus' kingdom. They were still expecting kind of a military kingship. But yet Jesus sends them on a different mission. He spends some last moments reminding them of everything that the scriptures had said and the, how they anticipated what Christ would do about books like Isaiah and others anticipated the, the work of Christ. But then he says, I want you to go and be my witnesses. I want you to go and tell my story. I want you to go and tell others what you have seen and what you have heard. He gathers his disciples up there at the top of that mountaintop, the Mount of Olives, and tells them to go and tell others what they have seen and heard. To be a witness is to simply tell others what you have seen for yourself, what you have personally encountered, what you know to be true in your heart. Jesus is telling them to go and be witnesses. Go and tell others what you know to be true. Go and tell others what you know to be fact. Go and tell others what you have seen with your eyes and seen with your heart of what God is doing. And what a story it is for the disciples to tell. A story of God's amazing love. A story that God loves you no matter what, that God loves you so much that he would give us his son. That God loves you no matter so much that no matter what, enough that his son died a place that we deserve to die. But that God loves you so much that, and God loves this world so much that death isn't the end of the story. New creation, hope through the resurrection, life that is possible for all through faith in Christ that God is doing something new, something beautiful, something powerful, something amazing through God, through Christ. He's doing it in our lives. He's doing it in your life. All we need is eyes to see and hearts to be open to the movement of God and to turn to him with all that we have and all that we do and all that we could ever say or do. Disciples are invited to go tell others about the amazing story of Jesus. 
The amazing story of his love. The amazing story of his hope. And I can just imagine the disciples when Jesus told them that you're going to go out and you're going to tell others about Jesus. That you're going to go out and tell others about what you've seen and heard. You're going to go and disperse yourselves from all the corners of the earth. And you're going to just go and tell others. I can imagine the disciples being at the top of the Mount Olives, standing up, dusting themselves off, and getting ready to go. Because when you've got a great story to tell, you just want to tell it to everybody. And I can imagine the disciples getting up and dusting themselves off, and maybe Peter saying, well, I'll go over here. Matthew, you go over this way. Thomas, don't get lost. We'll keep you close by. But Jesus says, wait, not yet. Not yet. I want you to wait a little bit. I don't know if you're like me, but I can get impatient waiting. If you ever see me at Kroger and I don't use self-checkout and I get in behind a long line, I guarantee you I do the same things that you all do. How long is this line going to move? And I'm working my head around to find the shortest line that I can move into. Does that speak to anybody? The shorter the line, the better, right? Because God forbid we spend 15 extra seconds inside of Kroger, right? Or Target or Walmart. Of course, at Walmart, we're all our own cashiers anymore, right? So, you know, I guess we're waiting on ourselves there. But we hate to wait, right? Think about how we drive on the interstate. Do we stick behind the, small, the slow going car or do we try to merge our way into the fast lane and get by that car as quick as we can, right? We hate waiting. We're impatient people by nature. We don't like to wait. We don't like to wait on things to start. That's why we love streaming. We can just skip through commercials. We don't like waiting. We want things to happen now. We want things to happen in this moment. And when we're told to wait, we get agitated. We want it now. I don't want to wait for this thing to start. I don't want to wait for this thing to happen. I need to do this now. We act like it is an imposition to wait. We act like it's a burden to wait. And we expect instant results as a result. We expect everything to be fixed now. We expect everything to happen now. And when it doesn't, we get angry and wonder why. Sometimes we have to wait. Sometimes we have to wait. Sometimes we have to slow down and get ready. Jesus wasn't telling them that they weren't going to go on the mission. Jesus wasn't telling them that I just told you this great thing I want you to do, but hang on, not yet, and you won't do it anytime soon. He's just telling them I want you to wait. Hold on. 
It's going to happen. But I need you to do something first. I need you to go get ready. I need you to go back into Jerusalem, spend the next seven, ten days. I want you to go and pray. I want you to go back and spend some time in prayer. Go back and spend some time in worship. Go back and spend some time in discipleship and study with each other. Go and be anticipatory of God showing up. Because when you spend that time waiting, when you spend that time praying, when you spend that time preparing, you'll experience God preparing you for the work. What Jesus was inviting them to do was to go and be anticipatory of God showing up. To be anticipatory of God doing something and moving in their lives in such a way that they would be empowered to go and do the work that God was calling them to do. If they had left in that moment, there was no way they could have done what God was calling them to do. But if they waited and got ready, it was anticipatory of God showing up. God would fill them, empower them, bless them with an amazing work of God's Holy Spirit to where they would be filled with God's presence to do the work and to be the people God was calling them to do. Jesus wasn't sending them to wait to just We'll see when it happens. But to wait with anticipation that God was going to do something in their life. That God was going to show up in a mighty way that was going to launch them to be the people of God. To be the church that God was calling them to be. And to tell the story in ways that they could have never imagined. Jesus invites us today as well to live with that kind of anticipation. To spend time waiting in anticipation that God will show up. That God will do something amazing in our lives. That God will do something amazing in our church. That God will do something amazing in our community. To live with hope that God will come and empower us. To live in anticipation that God's going to show up and fill us anew in ways that will shock us and launch us. To live with hope that God isn't done with us yet. How often do we live in anticipation of God showing up in our lives. How often do we anticipate God showing up? How often do we come to worship anticipating God to move and has his being in us as we gather? Or how often have we have just given up on the very idea that God will show up. Led ourselves to believe that there's nothing God can do in me, 
nothing that God can do in us, nothing that God can do in this world anymore, so we just show up and go through the motions. Have we given up anticipating? Have we given up waiting on God? Perhaps we need to do as Jesus invited his disciples to do and spend some time praying. Praying with outstretched arms, God, use me in my life. Use me, show up in my life, God in the voids, in the the dark places, in the places where I feel like I'm alone, God, show up. Show up and be present. Come and pour your spirit upon me so I can feel you anew in my life. Maybe we need to be like John Wesley and just continue to worship and keep preaching until you get it and keep showing up until you get it. Not only is today Ascension Sunday, but today is also Aldersgate Sunday, a day that we celebrate what happens in a few days when we remember that Wesley went to church and his heart was strangely warmed. He felt that God loved him and that he loved God. He'd been in ministry for about five or 10 years before that moment. He'd grown up in the church his whole life. But he kept worshiping until he felt it. He kept worshiping, not giving up, waiting on God to show up. Maybe we need to spend some time waiting and encouraging each other. Encouraging each other through discipleship, encouraging each other in our scripture reading, encouraging each other to be attentive to God that God's not finished with us yet. Well, it's easy to be anticipatory of the negative. It's easy to be anticipatory of giving up. It's anticipatory to believe that God's done with us as people. But the promise of the ascension is this. God is everywhere. God is here. And God is with you and me and all of us. And God's going to do something in our lives that will shock us, amaze us, overwhelm us, move us to being people of witness and hope that we've never thought we could do never thought we could be. Do you believe it? Do you want to see it? Do you want to have that hope? Disciples were invited to wait and have hope that God was going to show up and do something that would amaze them. Let us have that same hope in our lives today. That God's going to show up and do something amazing. 
Let us have that same hope in our church. That God's going to show up and do something amazing. And let us have that same hope in our community. God's going to show up and do something amazing. Let us live with hope and wait and see what God will do. Will you pray with me? Most holy and gracious God, Father, Lord, we give you thanks for this day. We give you thanks for your movement and your spirit, your grace and your joy. Lord, we yearn to experience your hope. We yearn to experience your presence. We yearn for you to move and show up in, in our lives, in our church, in our community, ways that we have never even experienced before. So come. Come, Lord Jesus, come. And find us as hopeful people waiting on you. Through Christ we pray. Amen.